Blog Talk Radio. Fellow constitutionalists, and welcome to the Monday, or the, actually the Tuesday. I'm for some reason I'm stuck on Monday because I didn't do a show yesterday. The Tuesday edition of the Dan Clemens Show, a Christian political talk show. I'm your host, Dan Clemens, your constitutional warrior, fighting for your right just to be an American. It is Happy Halloween, October 31st, Year of Award 2017. Remember, we're hyphen free, PC free zone. God is still in control. He does love you, and we do what we do here at the Dan Clemens Show, knowing the fear of the Lord. We persuade folks of the truth. I'm broadcasting live from the Amlock Studios here in the beautiful central Susquehanna Valley in the great Keystone State before the great John Wayne desk. Yes, I, I broadcast before a desk that we named, I named uh, John Wayne. It's the John Wayne desk uh, here at the, the uh, Hemlock Studios here in central Susquehanna Valley. Uh, let me, I just got to check something here just to make sure the feed's coming through. Good deal, good deal. I had a problem for some reason. But we got it taken care of where the feed was not letting me live stream on YouTube. So last week it was Blog Talk Radio. On Friday we couldn't uh, broadcast live on Blog blog on blog Talk Radio. We got, I don't know what that problem was. It wasn't us, it was them. Uh, it's like in a relationship. It's not you, it's me. <laughs> oh, folks, I, 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 uh, I was listening to the news. I got a chance to listen to Rush Limbaugh yesterday, which I don't get a chance to do hardly at all anymore but on the drive out to state college yesterday i was listening to the l rush bow and uh, he was um saying about the same things i say uh, about especially about this paul manafort indictment and uh, george papadopoulos uh pleading guilty and i told my wife yesterday i said you watch i said those people who follow me and that i follow on social media especially the liberal progressive anti-freedom folks out there <laughs> They are going to be beside themselves with just, oh, we got him now, we got him now. Even my my uh, most ardent Facebook antagonist uh, come out, well, chalk one up for the good guys, and they're trying to make all these connections to from Manafort and especially George Papadopoulos to President Trump. Now, Manafort was President Trump's campaign manager until August, and then uh, uh, Conway took over. Uh, he was under... And, and this, 
Folks, I may be wrong in my ideas about this, however. I'm going to say them, and you can correct me if you want. Um, Paul Manafort was under a FISA warrant investigation that started back in 2014. And he became President Trump's second campaign manager while still under indictment, or still under investigation by the FBI. Now, I know it's supposed to be secret, but do you, and this is just a question I want to put out, do you think it would have been okay for the FBI to come to Donald Trump and say, in private, saying, look, we can't tell you the details, uh, and you, you know, we need to have some type of, uh, you know, you sign a document saying a non-disclosure agreement, saying you can't disclose that you know this, uh, but maybe Paul Manafort isn't the best person for your campaign manager because he's under federal investigation. That's all they have to say. They don't have to tell him it's a FISA investigation. Just tell him he's under federal investigation that goes back a couple years, has nothing to do with your campaign. Now, I don't see any harm in doing that because I would bet you my last dollar, and I'm not a betting man, that if Bernie Sanders' campaign manager or Hillary Clinton's campaign manager was under a FISA investigation, the Foreign Intelligence Service Act, if he, they were either one of them had a campaign manager or someone high up in their campaigns that were under a FISA investigation, you can bet your bottom dollar that the Obama administration, especially Loretta Lynch, the AG at the time, the Attorney General, would have somehow let them know that you got to get rid of this person or it's going to look bad for you. Now, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's right, but however, to take the FBI, FBI out of the political arena, wouldn't it have been prudent? Wouldn't it have been prudent for Loretta Lynch and, Etern- and the Attorney General Comey at the time, Mueller was his predecessor, who this FISA warrant came, I'm pretty sure if my timeline's right, and I'm still looking at the timelines, somewhere in the mix there, he, under his auspices, the FISA warrant investigation came down for Paul Manafort. Now, nothing what Paul Manafort did in this investigation was prompted by the Trump administration or the Trump campaign. This has been the story since last year that this investigation into Paul Manafort was directly a result of Russian influence peddling for the Trump campaign. Now, see, under this type of investigation, FBI couldn't come out and confirm or deny that. So it was just let stand. So instead of, wait a minute, we got to wait till we hear the whole thing, the progressive left, the anti-freedom folks in the country, ran with that story, oh, Trump administration's colluding with Russia. And once the indictment came down, we found out different, that he was actually influence peddling, possibly laundering, you know, allegedly $75 million uh, to the Podesta group and others, uh, that the Podesta group was actually lobbying for or against Russian sanctions. Uh, and, and that was kind of funny, this whole thing, this, this whole thing is kind of funny because, um, Russia feared, 
Hillary and her warmongering more than they did Donald Trump. And Podesta Group was in bed with the Hillary campaign, the Clinton Foundation, whole nine yards. This all started way back before uh, there was a candidate, uh, Trump, before the the presidential primaries in the, in the RNC. This, this, all this was happening well before this under Obama's watch, Loretta Lynch's watch, Mueller's and Comey's watch. Everything about this indictment come down. And so the, the progressive left out there, the anti-freedom folks, as I call them on the show here, are just so behind, beside themselves with glee that we finally got him. We finally got Trump in this. But the problem is, and we're going to talk about this all on the show, and I'll show you on the show, <laughs> uh, Trump's name is nowhere to be found in these indictments at all. And matter of fact, the, the tenuous link that they have to this whole thing through George uh, Papadopoulos, I like saying that, George Papadopoulos, it is so thin, you wouldn't want to live on the differences. I'll give you a good example. If my buddy Dave, when I don't know what he'd be doing on a, on a, on a hillside where there's a cliff where he actually fell over, but if he was hanging down on, the, on, a, on a root, hanging out of a, uh, a cliffside, he wouldn't want me sending down a 20-pound test monofilament fish line to try to haul him up with. Matter of fact, uh, he would be foolish to let go of that tree stump to grab that line. And that's the, same, that's the same amount of strength that line between George Papadopoulos and uh, President Trump is. It's, it's virtually non-existent. Uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit. He was a volunteer, wasn't in any inner circles. And barely was there, uh, according to some reports, was barely there a couple weeks. And, and, yet, and, and yet all these things about him being a volunteer is missed by the mainstream media, missed by the, the progressive left, missed by the anti-freedom folks out there on social media that want Trump gone. Uh, I've actually, I was actually uh, talk, discussing something yesterday, someone on Facebook who's totally against Trump, uh, that she said and she this is how she felt she couldn't prove it you ask her to prove it oh there's proof all around all i gotta do is look i said no you you made the statement you prove it they never do and, and this is some uh, this is something that frustrates me with uh, the progressive left they want you to prove everything you're saying but when you ask for proof about what they're saying never happens or you ask them a question like i like i just stated earlier if this would have been uh someone high up or a campaign manager in Uncle Bernie's campaign or Aunt Hillary's campaign. Uh, do you think Loretta Lynch or the Obama administration would let them know to quietly let go of those folks? So there, you know, so there couldn't be any links, you know, something blew back. Uh, like I said, I, you bet your bottom dollar they would. Whether it's right or wrong doesn't really, in, in this instance, you know, I, would it be wrong to? I think that's a matter of choice. I think there could, I could have been done such a way, even if it was Bernie and, or Hillary, could have been done such a way that the, the person who was being investigated would still not know they're being investigated and they could be let go for whatever reason. And uh, there, this lady said that the, the Trump administration is the most destructive administration in the history of America. And she wouldn't back it up. And my only comment to her, the only... 
the only way the Trump administration is destructive to anybody is to your progressive social democratic ideology. And that's what you're mad about. That's what you're mad about. He is, through his presidency, through the, the awakening of the American people through social media and the Internet, your social programs, your social justice tyranny is coming to an end and you don't like it. You don't like it. You don't like that people have, have more freedom, that are making more choices, that, quite frankly, and uh, we talked about this a little bit on uh, Friday, uh, this principle about people make choices in lives. Uh, let me just put it this way. People make choices in lives, and some of them, some of them lead them down to pretty dark roads. But is pitying somebody the right way to help them out of that situation is to go in and try to help somebody realize the situation that they're in the right way to go about it. Now, having said that, some of my Christian friends will, we do this all the time when we preach the gospel. You're absolutely right. We do that all the time as we preach the gospel. But it is never forced. People are never coerced into believing the scriptures or that Jesus Christ is the Savior, nothing. Matter of fact, we don't even we don't even preach to the person unless we have an invitation to do so. You know, we just don't barge into somebody's house and start preaching the gospel to them. And if they don't if they don't want to listen to us or listen to God's word, then you know, hey, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. But social justice tyrants out there, I don't call them warriors. I know a lot of people take me to task for that. Oh, they're not tyrants. I said they absolutely are. They want to come in and put a solution to a problem as, as a group instead of working with people as an individual. And they want to hold up uh, this, uh, what all prompted this was a CNN report that a friend of mine shared on Facebook uh, that CNN was holding up these, these drug addicts as uh, almost pious you know, and, and some, you know, something to, someone to be pitied and, and possibly looked up to because of what they said they were trying. Oh, we're trying to warn these kids off of this at the same time selling them the drugs that are poisoning their lives. And, you know, pretty much the response was don't have, don't go down this path and have pity for these folks. They made their choices. And I'm not saying, I don't think that speaks to anybody's lack of love for somebody. But people make choices in life. And, and people have to pay the consequences for those choices in their lives. That's, that's, that's the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ. You know, I, I don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve his unmerited favor in favor, you know, in allowing his son to, to and it was Jesus' choice to do the will of the Father, but still his choice to come to this earth and die on the cross for my sins. You know, I don't, I don't deserve that. But yet, God and Christ loved me enough to give me a second chance to live a better life. To seek Him and seek God and His righteousness. Not to, I, I, I've heard way too many people after preaching, you know, that we're, we, you know, we, I worked all my life uh, for this righteousness. I, I, I could never do enough work to be righteous in God's eyes. Never. Only through Jesus Christ and his advocacy can I ever be righteous in God's eyes. And that's because of what somebody else did, not what I did. 
So these, these social justice tyrants out there want to put all these solutions on everybody, and this ideology that they have is what's in danger. This is what makes the Trump administration the most dangerous administration in the history of America because he's an outsider. Honestly, he doesn't care about your attacks against him. You're calling him names. He just shrugs it off eh, and goes on about his business. That makes social justice tyrants even uh, just matter <laughs> because he won't respond. They want a response. They want you to respond to them. And, and in your response, sometimes people get angry and they say the wrong things. That's what they're working towards. If you, just, if you don't respond to them and just go ahead with your logic, reasoning, and truth, that actually tweaks their nose even further than trying to just sit there and, and, and swap names with them and stuff like that. And that's, what, um, that's, what, that's the biggest problem with the left today, with the progressive anti-freedom left today is they see that all their work, all their hard work to find social justice for the oppressed is going down the tubes. Because again, like I've, I've asked people, and they, they've, they've never come back and really give me a good answer. Have you asked everybody you think is an oppressed group if you want, if they want your help to get them out of that? You know, a lot of times... <laughs> like the old, it's like uh, back in the day, you know, and, and I did this. I've seen that, that outlet on the wall. So what the world is this? And I started sticking stuff in it. And it wasn't until I, until, and it wasn't dad busting my butt. It wasn't until electricity busted me that I figured out this ain't something to play with. Didn't hurt me. But just my dad or my mom telling me not to do that would have made me want to do it even more. And my mom didn't want me doing it, but my dad's like, let him alone. He'll find out. <laughs> ah! Screaming, crying, and wanting mom or dad to comfort me. And, and they're both over there <laughs> trying to, honestly, folks, they were trying to quit from, uh, trying to keep me from seeing them laughing. They're laughing so hard they're about ready to bust a gut at what I did. And it, that made me mad. But guess what? I never stuck anything in, in outlets ever again. <laughs> I, res I have a healthy respect for electricity. And see, this is the problem with social justice today. This is the problem with intersectionalism and creating all these oppressive groups and these oppressor groups out there is they forget about the individual. If they get right down to it with the individual, they'll find out there's less people that want them to interact on their behalf than what they, than what they originally thought, and then their movement is mute because who are they going to help? And honestly, folks, I think that's, I, I think that's more... I think that's more to the point uh, with all this. If they, if these feminists, these intersectionalists, these SJTs out there, social justice tyrants out there, if they ever break it down to the individual, which they can't, they can't. You know, just like the feminist mantra, all men are rapists. Well, no, all men are not rapists. You know, you're just categorizing everybody as rapists. Well, all white males are privileged. No, not all white males are privileged. There again, you're, you're putting out a stereotype, you're, you're, in a, you're in a group mob type thinking. And so this is what's happening with this Manafort um, uh, Papadopoulos. Uh, Papadopoulos pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI. That's a procedural. <laughs> That's, uh, it, it, he, wasn't, he wasn't pleading guilty to any specific crime other than lying to the FBI. Oh, 
Oh, you lied to the FBI. That's We're going to get you for that. You know, quite honestly, the way I feel about it is you don't have a responsibility to say anything to the police You know, without a lawyer present. You don't have the responsibility to tell them anything, let alone the truth. Your best bet in this, just is, this is just my advice, keep your mouth shut. Get a lawyer and keep your mouth shut, no matter what they say. That's your that's your best bet. Oh, oh, we caught Papadopoulos in a lie, and we're, we're prosecuting him for that lie. That's uh, Scooter Liddy, if you remember back in the day. You know, he he wasn't he wasn't found guilty of anything but but lying. They couldn't they couldn't indict him on anything else, but a procedural thing that he lied to the FBI. Oh, out of out of out of the grand scheme of things, is that the biggest crime in the world? No. And so that so the the hysteria that's going on out there, these folks are literally afraid that their their worldview is coming crashing down on them. Uh, real quick here. I do have an article that we'll get into, uh, but uh, I'm going to talk a little bit. I got a couple things I want to talk about before we get into the indictment, because you've heard a lot of the news already yesterday since I wasn't on the show. I just want to point out some some things in the indictments. But I was talking to some uh, folks last night and this morning where a, a judge blocks Trump ban on transgender troops. And this was over at the ConstitutionCenter.org. And I'm like, that's judicial overreach. You know, President Trump is commander-in-chief, and the commander-in-chief set the standard in the military, and the Congress is the one that makes the laws or the rules up for the military, like the Uniform Code of Military Justice. That came from Congress way back when. And the, the president's given pretty wide latitude with uh, as far as the troops. And, you, know, uh, you know, Joint Chiefs of Staff, you know, who's the, uh, you know, who's the Secretary of the Navy, uh, or the you know the uh, chief naval officer, the CNO uh, of the Navy, you know up there with the Joint Chiefs of Staff, you know has wide latitude with this. And you know I said first off is this judge, this is a separations of power, because uh, this judge has no business blocking a ban that Trump puts in place for the military. Trump's trying to protect the military. And I got comments back saying this is this is where, this is the flavor of this, folks. I got comments back saying that uh, talking, calling it transgender, or you know, I said it's chan, transgender dysphoria, which is a mental illness uh, that President Trump is protecting the military from. And this person told me, you know, that's just you're you're just protecting an ideology. I said, what what about protecting the military from folks who have a mental illness? Don't you understand? That's a mental illness, not an ideology. Again, they live in a narrative and an echo chamber that is probably so deafening to them. And, and just the, every day that goes by, I see more and more how deaf these folks are to truth and facts. Anything outside their echo chamber that holds the conclusion that Trump's a bad person and he needs to be removed. Republicans are a bad person need to be removed. Matter of fact, the gentleman told me, that said, well, and I am a conservative, I don't deny that, that said that I wish you lived in the, with, with the founding fathers in their era because they tarred and feathered conservatives. They didn't like conservatives. I'm like, really? I said, what founders, are, what founders and what framers are you looking at? All of them were considered, for the most part, conservative or libertarian. I, I'm like, 
Let's rewrite history some more. So this whole narrative is blown up in their face. Uh, it's, uh, you know, entitled, entitled the show today, Manafort's Indictment, The Insanity Ensues. It, it's, it's been going on for a while, and it still goes on, and these folks are just, they don't get it. They don't get it, Big Dan. They just don't get it. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Rocky Mountain High Brands is the official drink of the Dan Clement Show. The one reason why it is is because, as, you, as if you're a long-time listener, I do have fibromyalgia. I've been diagnosed with it. And the hemp-infused drinks that are Rocky Mountain High Brand, they have 100 milligrams of hemp oil infused in them, and it seems to help with the pain. I take it later on the day, and it seems to help with the pain. I can still function uh, somewhat during, later on the day. And they have all sorts of flavors. They have uh, energy shots. They have uh, protein bars or, uh, and uh, uh, Eagle Spirit water. That's a... Uh, uh, pH balanced water, uh, so they, they have a whole thing, and the reason why I talk about this and promote this on my show is because I am a stockholder. I have it's penny stocks, but I still own stock in the company, as uh, you know, as far as full disclosure goes. Okay, today's daily Bible reading comes from the the Book of Psalms, chapter ninety four, verses twenty through twenty three. Shall the throne of iniquity, which devises evil by law, have fellowship with you? They gather together against the life of the righteous and condemn innocent blood. But the Lord has been my defense and my, and my God the rock of my refuge. He has brought on them their own iniquity and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. The Lord our God shall cut them off. We need to be, folks, really need to be careful whose side we're on. Now, yes, I want God to be on my side, but more so I want to be on God's side. I want to be on God's side. I want to be right with God. I don't want to be these folks that, uh, you know, devise evil by law, which devise evil by law. And there's a lot of evil in this country through judicial overreach, like Roe versus Wade abortion, like same-sex marriage, and I'm, transgenderism is the next big thing that the courts are going to legislate saying what is or is not right. I'm just letting you know, and they, they devise evil by law. And this should never be. Today's quote mail comes from Charles Swindell. It is never, it is, let me repeat that, it is never too late to start doing what is right. Absolutely. Short Bible lesson today. I'm not going to read this. I haven't been reading these. These are, some, these are other guys, the other's men's work, and I want you to go read them for yourself. This is by Wes McAdams. He, he posted this uh, in RadicallyChristian.com last November 4th. Not last, actually November 4th in 2015. And it's a really good little article. It says, Should Christians Celebrate Halloween? Question mark. Some personal thoughts. And it's own personal thoughts that he has about this. And, and um, we celebrate, when we had kids in the house, we celebrated Halloween. Matter of fact, when, when we were part of the young marriage couples at church, we had you know huge Halloween parties with apple dump, uh, apple dumping, uh, dunking to get that apple and stuff like that. There's a trick to that, folks. And I've I've, I've uh, not that I've always won, but I've always come up with an apple because there is a trick for that. <laughs> Just got to be willing to get wet. <laughs> Good little Bible lesson. I ask you to go over and watch that or watch it to to read that. Now a couple of housekeeping things, and um, I have a Facebook video. With uh, Miss Huckabee, the White House press secretary's tax analogy. I love it. It was shared with me on Facebook. I love it. 
I like it. I want some more of it. <laughs> this is great. So let me get this set up here. It, like I said, this, if you don't understand taxes after you watch this, uh, you're a lost cause. You really are. Suppose that every day, 10 people, for our purposes, we'll say reporters, go out for beer, and the bill for all 10 comes to $100. If these 10 reporters paid their tab every night the way we pay our taxes, it would go something like this. The first four, the poorest, would pay nothing. The fifth would pay $1. The sixth would pay $3. The seventh would pay $7. The eighth would pay $12. The ninth would pay $18. The tenth, the richest, would pay $59. So that's what they decided to do. The 10 reporters drank in the bar every day and seemed quite happy with the arrangement until one day the bar, honor, bar owner threw them a curveball. Since you're all such good customers, he said, I'm going to reduce the cost of your daily beer by $20. Drinks for the 10 reporters would now cost just $80. The group still wanted to pay their bill the way we pay our taxes. So the first four were unaffected. They would still drink for free. But what about the other six? How could they divide the $20 windfall so that everyone would get their fair share? These are the reporters after all, so they're concerned with fairness. They realize that $20 divided by six is $3.33. But if they subtracted that from everybody's share, then the fifth reporter and the sixth reporter, which, eat, which would each end up being paid to drink beer. So the bar owner suggested that it would be fair to reduce each man's bill by a higher percentage the poorer he was. By doing that, he explained, they'd continue following the principle of the tax system they'd been using. So he proceeded to work out the amounts he suggested that each should pay now. And so the fifth reporter, like the first four, now paid nothing. He got a 100% saving. The sixth now paid $2 instead of $3, a 33% saving. The seventh now paid $5 instead of 7 a 28% saving. The eighth now paid $9 instead of 12 a 25% saving. The ninth now paid 14 instead of 18, which was a 22% saving. And the tenth now paid $49 instead of $59, a 16% saving. So each of the six was better off than before, and the first four continued to drink for free. But once outside the bar, the reporters began to compare their savings. I only got a dollar out of the $20 saving, declared the sixth reporter. And she pointed to the tenth reporter. He got 10. Yes, that's right, exclaimed the fifth reporter. I only saved a dollar, too. It's unfair that he received ten times more benefit than me. That's true, shouted the seventh reporter. Why should he get ten dollars back when I only got two? The wealthy gets all the breaks. Wait a minute, yelled the first four reporters in unison. We didn't get anything at all. This new t tax system exploits the poor. The nine reporters yelled at the tenth and made him feel bad. So the next night, the tenth man didn't show up for drinks, and the nine sat down and had their beers without him. But when it came time to pay the bill, they discovered something important. They no longer had enough money between them all to even cover half of the bill. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how our tax system works. Folks, dare I say it? Boom! <laughs> and that's exactly how our tax system works. The poor always have their hands out, even though, like in the, in the new tax plan, the first $24,000 is not taxed. So if you're a single person that's making under $24,000, guess what? You only pay 12. You, you only pay 12 
thousand dollars tax. You know, on you only pay tax on twelve thousand dollars instead of the whole twenty-four. Let's say you're married, and you're both only making twenty-four thousand dollars. Just hypothetical. Then you you do not have a tax liability. Now, as the tax brackets have been reduced, are the top earners in the country anything anybody making over four hundred fifty thousand dollars a year is in the top one percent, and they get a if you notice those tax savings, their tax savings percentage-wise, and these all these everybody out there, all these all these folks that that uh, uh, like this progressive type tax, uh, they don't realize that even though he is paying more, still paying more than everybody else, his savings is less in percentage than everybody else's. But you point that out, they get they're like what, and that's that's factual, that's absolutely fact, and then. And here comes uh, Miss Huckabee's uh, Atlas Shrug moment. What happens if the rich just don't show up? What happens if they just decide, look, I said, we're, I'm going to park my money offshore, I'm going to move down to the Bahamas, and I'm, a, I'm just going to quit working. I'm going to live off what I got. What happens if enough of the one percenters did this? Then what happens? Oh, see, that's where this whole progressive tax tax brackets break down. And, and not that I totally agree with President Trump on his tax plan. I do not. However, it's a step in the right direction. I think if we're going to have, if unless we repeal the 16th Amendment and we still have an income tax on income, I think, I think the fairest way to be would be 10% on everybody. And then the first so much for a single, first amount of dollars for a married couple, and then you have child deductions. That all should be tax exempt, zero tax. I think I think that would be the fairest. Now, some people say, "Well, I I, I make me and my my family we make over that. Let's say I make seventy five thousand dollars. You mean I got to pay ten percent of my income when somebody that makes a million dollars a year only has to pay ten percent of his income or her income? That's not fair. Well, why isn't it? Do you want do you want to pay your seventy five hundred dollars? Or you want to pay their hundred thousand dollars, ten percent? What What do you want? Let me know. Let me know. So that, I thought that was funny. I wanted to share that with you on that. Okay. Oh, let me get over here. Do I have it up here? Yes. Okay. <sighs> this is funny. I mean, this, and I, I got so many. Uh, Ill-informed comments, let's put it this way. Just ill-informed comments. Judge blocks Trump ban on transgender troops on Monday afternoon. Yesterday afternoon, the U.S. Court of District of the District of Columbia temporarily blocked the Trump administration's efforts to ban transgender individuals from military service. Um, in her 76-page opinion, Judge Colleen Kohler uh, Kotali said that a new policy greatly limiting sex reassignment surgeries for military personnel is permitted but she issued an injunction against President Trump's directive to bar transgender individuals from the military. For now, uh, Kohler Coatley ordered the military to revert back to its most previous service guidelines that were approved last year by the Obama administration, and she didn't believe the Trump administration's case would, would succeed at Fifth Amendment grounds when it comes to assertion and retention orders related to transgender service members. Uh, ascension orders allow someone to serve in the military while retention orders allow someone to be discharged from the service. 
The court finds that the plaintiffs are likely to succeed in demonstrating that the ascension and retention directives exclusion of transgender individuals from the military is unconstitutional. Kohler Coatley wrote, at the outset, the court reiterates uh, precisely what is at issue in the case, a policy banning the ascension, the accession, and allowing the discharge of an entire category of individuals from military solely because of their tra- they are transgender despite their ability to meet all the physical, psychological, and other standards for military service. And, and fo- <laughs> let me finish reading this. In addition, Kohler Coatley stated other reasons for the injunction. The court finds that the number of factors, including the sheer breadth of the exclusion order, by the directives, the unusual circumstances surrounding the president's announcement of them, uh, the fact that the reasons given for them do not appear to be supported by any facts, and the recent rejection of those reasons by the military itself strongly suggests that the plaintiff's Fifth Amendment claim is meritorious. So go back up that other full paragraph there. Which is, at the outset, the court reiterates precisely what is at issue in the case of policy banning the accession and allowing the discharge of entire category of individuals from military service solely because of their transgender, despite their ability to meet all the physical, psychological, and other standards for the service. Folks, people suffering from transgender dysphoria do not past the psychological part of being in the military. Transgenderism. Folks that that claim to be transgender, whatever the pronouns they want to use, that is a mental illness. It's called transgender dysphoria. It's very dangerous, and they are unstable individuals mentally that way. And I asked this one gentleman, do you want to be in the military fighting alongside somebody that's mentally unstable or unstable? This judge, in her own order, messed up. Sorry. She messed up. And again, on constitutional grounds, President Trump has the Constitution on his side. Uh, On constitutional grounds, this judge was reaching, overreach of the judiciary in blocking this to begin with because if you look in Uniform Code of Military Justice and elsewhere, uh, military law, Mentally unstable is a reason for discharge or disallowing people to come into the military. And I get these, I get these social justice tyrants in the comments. This is a Facebook article that come over there and try to tell me that this is just an ideology. It is not. It's a mental illness. Sorry, it's just a mental illness. So the 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 um, sorry about that, folks. The President of the United States, as Commander-in-Chief, was well within his constitutional rights to do this. The judge was was outside of her constitutional purview uh, to block this ban. Uh, Absolutely was. So, again, uh, I know I'm going to get some heat for this, but (laughs) those are the facts. Just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. All right, another one real quick here. Preliminary report blames Charlottesville for civil unrest. Now, you remember a while ago, and this, I'll just show you the whole title of this. Sometimes in the, in the, the reading preview, it does, doesn't show everything. Preliminary report blames Charlottesville for civil unrest from Unite the Right rally. Now, now 
a couple days after that, folks, a couple days after that, we, uh, we talked about this, uh, about how the city council had issued permits to two other groups on the same day, knowing what these groups are about, and wanting, as far as I'm concerned, they wanted this civil unrest. They wanted it. And so this preliminary report, it happens to be in um, Virginia, uh, the preliminary action report is blaming Charlottesville for the civil unrest that occurred in the city on August 12th. And there's a, I, I skimmed over it, there's a PDF link in the article there. And all these articles are linked over to danclimateshow.com on the show notes page for episode, if you're tracking episodes, 916. And short side note here, when I say I research things and know things, I research things and I know things. And I had a lady this morning tell me, well, you know, oh, I forgot you're a know-it-all. You know, because I said I probably follow this a little bit tighter politics. I probably follow it a little bit tighter, closer than the average person because it's part of my job that I choose to do on my show. I have to. And, you know, then, then she came back, oh, aren't you holier than now? No, I'm, I'm plugged in and I have the reference to prove it. Most of the time when you ask them for the references, they, don't, they can't prove them. Anyway. This was presented to the Governor's Civil Unrest Task Force in Richmond Tuesday, October 26th. The task force is comprised of first responders from around Virginia, elected officials, but no one from Charlottesville, which is a good thing. They're the ones that were put, put under the, micro, uh, the microscope. According to the report, city leaders did not take recommendations ahead of white activist Jason Kessler's Unite the Right rally. Additional reports said Charlottesville had an inadequate permit process. The city was taken to court, and after it tried to make changes to Kessler's permit just a few days before the rally, uh, International uh, Chiefs of Police Director Jim W. Baker says, We are seeing a new era of protests that involve weapon shields and, and desire to cause harm. He said Charlottesville leaders knew before protesters and counter-protesters clashed in and around Emancipation Park. Baker said the park was too small, noting the authorities tried to have it moved uh, to McIntyre Park. And, 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 folks, let me stop reading there. If they would have structured their permit process in such a way that it was, if, if the crowds are going to be too big for a certain place, that at the city's discretion they could have moved them, but it wasn't that way. And that's why they took them to court. There was no stipulation in there. I bet you they do now. There wasn't any in there. So, basically, and you go down and read the article through yourself there, Basically, Charlottesville, uh, most of the, uh, the blame is put on Charlottesville, the mayor, city manager, the council. Uh, I, like I said, I don't know what they were thinking on allowing. The, the first one that got approved should have been the only ones there. Antifa, Black Lives Matters, any of the other groups, the other two groups that got permits to march that day should have been disallowed. And, and quite frankly, uh, they should have been they should have been barricades put up like they did in Boston, and everybody should have been checked before they went in. Uh, I don't know if Virginia has this law, but I don't think they should have been allowed to wear masks in there. Uh, I don't think they should have been allowed to wear hoodies in there uh, to cover their face or anything. And you know, there, there's a lot of things that happen. But in my opinion, you got to put the blame squarely on Charlottesville. Now, real quick here, I got. I can go over because this is my show, and I have been going over a little bit. But, all right. the I love this one here, and I think I have it. Let me make sure I got it up here. Um, let me get rid of some of these other ones up here. 
All right. I have this Daily Caller article here that is uh, Manafort's indictment shows that uh, Mueller, F, former FBI Director Mueller, is a fraud. Okay? More than anything else, the indictments of Paul Manafort and his partner Rick Gates demonstrates the fraudulent nature of the special counselor Robert uh, Mueller's investigation. The probe has little to do with Russian interference in last year's election. Instead, it is calculated to protect Mueller and the cabal within the FBI and Justice Department to cover up crimes by Hillary Clinton because they believe it was likely that she would be elected president. For all intents and purposes, before November 8 last year, almost a year ago now, Hillary was all but sworn in as president. And so that's how they were working off all this information, okay? And they were going after a Republican that was working with uh, Democrats in the Podesta group, which was working for Hillary Clinton. Uh, there's a whole lot of things in here we, we never got to in the Fusion GPS scandal with Uranium One. Uh, who And the Fusion GPS, if you don't know what it is, that was part of the group that was putting together the dossier on President Trump and um, Prostitute Gate over in Russia. And we're finding out now uh, that there was some involvement with some news outlets like uh, Washington Free Beacon, but more so that the Clinton Foundation, or the Clinton campaign, excuse me, the DNC, were the ones actually funding this. Now, there was other funders in this, but they were giving the, the vast majority of the funds for this dossier on Trump as opposition uh, research. And you know what? That's fine if you want to do opposition research, but this was anything but opposition research. This dossier was designed, and the mandate was we need to take him out of the way so Hillary can have a free run or free, uh, free ascension to the, the throne, as it were, to the presidency of the United States. So, and once Mueller and then his friend and successor, James Comey, covered for Hillary, they had to keep covering. This was a reason that Mueller was so available uh, when he was so swiftly appointed special counsel in May by Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. The Comey firing threatened to expose all that these same officials had swept under the rug. Yes, Rosenstein bit the bullet and drafted the memo that was the legal basis for firing Comey, but it would be followed by appointing um, Mueller. In July, Comey preemptively exonerated Hillary despite her maintenance of a private email server and mishandling classified material by accusing her of being extremely careless. He purposely distracted attention from the context of the emails. Hillary and Bill Clinton operated an aggressive shakedown operation of domestic and foreign interest, many of which are, uh, are unsavory and criminal, concealing the true nature of the operation was at least part of the Clinton's motivation for the private server. And, and folks, let me stop here with the Clinton Foundation. One of the, one of the biggest uh, criminal acts that they did was the literally financially taking Haiti over the, over the coals, promising them so much money and, and hardly delivering a dime. And Haiti wants to know where that money that was donated for Haiti through the Clinton Foundation, where it is. Excuse me, but the Obama administration was scandal-free. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I forgot all about that, right? <laughs> the outlines of the Uranium One deal were not a secret. Media outlets like New York Times reported on the U.S. government approval of a partial sale of the Canadian mining company to uh, Roseltom, uh, a Russian firm, while those who benefited donated to the Clinton Foundation and paid Bill Clinton $500,000 for a single speech in Moscow. 
We talked about this last Friday a little bit. Um, then came more detailed reports about how the FBI cracked the case of a major Russian effort to penetrate the North American uranium industry through a host of illegal activities, but somehow the whole matter was slow-walked and kept from the U.S. government officials who had to approve the Uranium One deal. Mueller and Comey ultimately supervised the probe. The Fox is watching the hen house, folks. That's exactly what this is. Meanwhile, the FBI email investigation was supervised by now FBI Director Director and Andrew McCabe, who has sufficient connections to the Clintons through his wife, Jill McCabe. Hillary headlined a fundraiser for a group supporting Jill McCabe's campaign for the Virginia State Senate. As first reported in Wall Street Journal, the National Legal and Policy Center subsequently exposed more Clinton used to support, including the then Clinton Foundation operative Doug Band, who wrote a personal check for $50,000. The plot thickened last week when the bombshell hit that it was Hillary's campaign and the Democrat National Committee that paid for the Fusion GPS dossier. Reporters were, uh, were cringed to realize that they had been lied to repeatedly for months and months. Yeah, oh, okay. They cringed because they were lied to, right? Nothing that they lied to the American people, right? They didn't didn't do any investigative reporting. They didn't do investigations on their own to see what they were feeding was the truth. They were just (laughs) echo, 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 chamber, chamber, chamber. (laughs) Um, Let me see. Hillary now claims that uh, that the first she heard of it was when the dossier memo was printed by BuzzFeed in January, a likely lie. As long as this as long as this, what did Hillary know and when did she know it, question is of no interest to uh, Mueller. His investigation has no credibility whatsoever. But therein lies the dilemma for Mueller. A real probe of Hillary would mean to a review of his own actions and those of his colleagues. He's concerned. Mueller's strategy is clear. He has to recuse himself. Comey, McCabe, Rosenstein, and others from their uh, complicity in Hillary's dealings with the Russians, Mueller is creating a diversion by going after Manafort, the lowest of low-hanging fruit. Just about any inquiry in Manafort's dealings over the years was sure to yield results. Donald Trump's demeanor invites assumptions by some about his commitment to the Democratic values. But it is Hillary and her campaign that that colluded with the Russians Paid the hit piece or the hit squad fusion GPS to manufacture and plant information on her opponent and hired people to provoke violence at Trump rallies. The Clintons' ruthless ruthlessness, along with the unwillingness of the nation's top enforcement officials to stand up to them, has created a constitutional crisis. And this is where the constitutional crisis comes in, folks. Not only that, not only about the constitutional crisis, the this is a law enforcement crisis from the top echelons of law enforcement in the United States of America. We're talking about the Department of Justice. Just the look of impropriety with Mueller and Comey. And, and again, even when Mueller was appointed, I did say, you know, at first I was like, okay, he's an FBI director. He can't be all that bad. I didn't really investigate him all that much, and that's my fault. But as the days and weeks went by, I never got back to the story until now. And then I started researching uh, Mueller. And, and I'm telling you, I told my wife this morning, I said, they need to go out to Montana or Idaho and pick out the most uh, snow-driven, pure, 
conservative, or, or not even conservative, um, constitutionally constructive judge, federal judge, male or female, doesn't matter to me, from Montana or Idaho, mainly Montana, possibly Wyoming, <laughs> to head up the investigation into all this. Give her 24-7 protection, which is he or she's going to need it, uh, from these these despicable human beings that are that are in and around government today. Now, there's a there one of the other things that came out in this Manafort uh, case is the Podesta group. The and let me just go back over and get the title. I hate I hate some of these reading pages. Don't give you the full title. Podesta group key plays key role in Manafort indictment. Okay, they play a key role. The Podesta Group, a Democrat lobbying firm co-founded by Clinton campaign manager John Podesta, appears to play a central role in the indictments of former Trump campaign chair Paul Manafort. From 2006-2014, Manafort and Richard Gates engaged in a multi-million dollar lobbying campaign in the United States at the direction of former Ukrainian President Victor, uh, and I'm like, Victor Y, Victor Yan. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not going to butcher that name. The Party of Regions and the government of Ukraine, according to the indictment, the Party of Regions is a pro-Russia Ukrainian political party whose leader, uh, Yanukovych, Yanukovych I'll, I'll try to get it out there, served as president from 2010 to 2014. Manafort and Gates chose two companies, identified as Company A and Company B in the indictment, to lobby on behalf of the European Center for the Modern Ukraine, a European nonprofit that officials say was created as a mouthpiece for the Party of Regions, uh, and there's a link to previous news reports there, have, uh, have indicted or indicated that the two companies are the Podesta Group and Mercury LLC. The head of the Podesta Group, Tony Podesta, resigned from the group on Monday amid increasing attention from the special counsel, Robert Mueller's investigation in Russian influence operations. Tony's brother, John Podesta, served as Hillary's campaign chair uh, during the 2016 election, elections. The two companies were aware that they were lobbying on behalf of the Ukrainian government and worked with Manafort to conceal their foreign lobbying activities from the public, according to the indictment. Manafort repeatedly, communi repeatedly communicated in person and in writing with uh, Yanukovych, and Gates passed on directions to Company A and Company B, the indictment states. At the direction of Manafort and Gates, Company A and Company B engaged in intensive lobbying, and the indictment adds, among other things, they lobbied multiple members of Congress and their staffs about Ukraine sanctions, the validity of Ukrainian elections, and the, and the propriety of Yanukovych imprisoning his presidential rival, Yanukovych. Um, Yulia uh, Timoshenko, uh, who had served as Ukrainian president prior to, uh, and, and she didn't. Uh, this was there's a correction in this in this story about about her. But anyway, and this comes up in the indictment, one of the one of the inaccuracies in the indictment with this uh, uh, prior Ukrainian president. The two companies received payment solely through offshore accounts associated with Manafort and Gates. According to the indictment, the Podesta do, excuse me, the Podesta, Podesta group retroactively filed lobbying disclosures in April, admitting their previously hidden Ukrainian lobbying activists activities. Um, 
Folks, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but retroactively applying as a foreign lobbyist, you know, that, that you're representing foreign entities in lobbying activities. Again, this is my question about, you know, letting Trump know that this guy was under investigation. They, the first FISA ran out sometime in early 2016 and they reinstated it. Why did they reinstate it? Because there was grumblings back then who might be run, who might be running the Trump campaign and Manafort was one of them in the running. And eventually he did become the campaign manager until August and then uh, Con uh, Conaway took over. But anyway, um, <laughs> they could have concluded that FISA investigation and not renewed it until after the campaign to try to keep politics out of the whole thing. But you're talking about the Obama administration, Loretta Lynch, and the Hillary campaign. Obama was thinking about Hillary was going to extend his presidency another four to eight years because of a lot of the same policy ideas that she had. Um, Loretta Lynch was looking to, to maintain her position because I think I think Hillary Clinton would have left her in there as AG. So she was trying to keep her position. So what would be the best way for them, what would be the best thing for them to do to try to help Hillary Clinton? Is to keep the investigation on Manafort and anybody else they might have under scrutiny, keep them under the, 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 uh, the lens of scrutiny, as it were. So it... The Podesta group, Tony and John, he, I said this morning when I found out he resigned, when uh, Tony Podesta resigned from the, the Podesta group, uh, somebody needs to grab his passport because he's getting ready to run. Uh, I, 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 honestly, I wouldn't doubt, I don't have the news up right now, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt if you wouldn't see that uh, he might, you know, oh, I got to go, we're, we had a planned vacation to go to this place that doesn't have extradition. And then he's gone. <laughs> now, just to be fair in my coverage, I know we're coming up on the on the top of the hour, and the and the live feed is going to quit for Blog Talk Radio, and I do apologize for that. I just want to finish this last article just to make sure everybody knows that I'm fair in my coverage of things. This article's out of Mother Jones. I don't use. I read a lot uh, articles uh, that about things that I'm actually researching out of like Mother Jones, Huffington Post, Slate, and Salon magazines but i have this one here and it's fairly accurate as far as the indictment it says seven eye-popping allegations in the indictment of paul manafort and rick um gates now i can't put this in reader mode so you might see some ads on the side there matter of fact what makes me mad is that little thing right there if you're watching on youtube i just bought that for my stove because my wife lifted up the stove top without asking me how to do it and broke that gas line uh, from the burner controls. And that's that's exactly what I bought, folks. <laughs> anyway, so Mother Jones, uh, this is by uh, Dan Friedman, posted yesterday. Special counsel Robert Mueller on Monday unveiled an indictment of Paul Manafort, Donald Trump's former campaign chairman, and Rick Gates, uh, Manafort's longtime business partner. The indictment alleges that the men earned tens of millions of dollars in income by secretly lobbying for the former pro-Russian president of Ukraine and then laundered the money to evade taxes, enjoyed a lavish lifestyle, and covered personal expenses. 
Here are some of the most important allegations. It's not all, but these are in uh, the indictment. Uh, a $934,000 uh, at a rug store. Manafort allegedly used offshore accounts to spend $934,350 at an antique rug, rug store in Alexandria, Virginia. It's an awful lot to pay for a rug, folks. And I, like I said, I'm just going to get into these just a little bit here because I don't want to drag on for an hour and a half today. Two top Washington lobbyist firms take money from offshore accounts uh, without registering as lobbyists under the Foreign Agents Registration Act. Manafort and G Gates hired Washington lobbyist firms to conduct a, an influence campaign on behalf of the Ukrainian president and his pro-Russian party of regions from 2006 to 2015. Diamond says the men's, uh, men illegally failed to register with the Justice Department as agents of a foreign state and lied to the DOJ to conceal their work. The two firms the men hired are identified as Company A and Company B in the indictment. Those companies appear to be the Podesta Group and uh, the Mercury Public Affairs based on uh, based on their public dis uh, declarations. It's not clear which is A and B, okay? Another one, Manafort and Gates lied to everyone. And, and there's a lot of lying going on. Well, in Washington, there's always a lot of lying. Four, Manafort used laundered money to generate real real estate income. That's how you launder. That's, that's what you do with laundered money, folks. <laughs> and and uh, look, Manafort's a Republican. He's, and I don't know if all these things are true, but if they are, it just it shows that he's greedy. And, and it doesn't in any way, in my mind, cast aspersions on a whole group just because it's one man did dumb and stupid. Uh, Manafort used laundered, okay, I already said that. Five, Manafort lied to banks. Manafort, six, Manafort asked his son-in-law to lie for him. And seven, uh, Gates comes off as a Manafort laggy. So we see here, we, we, and, and all this stuff will come out in the wash. It really will, folks. I mean, I'm not going to be able to cover it all today. And a lot of, and, and there's going to be a lot of ink spilled, a lot of bandwidth uh, expended, and a lot of airtime uh, put to good or bad use over this whole indictment thing. But the one thing I want you to come away with here and, and, and know this for sure, that the anti-freedom progressive left in this country is after Donald Trump any way, shape, and form they can get there. Now, in that same, right after that article, that seven eye-popping allegations in the indictment of Paul Manafort and Rick Gates from Mother Jones, there's another article, we're not going to get into it, but the title of it is Robert Mueller releases information showing Trump campaign tied, tried to collude with Russia by David Korn and Mother Jones. These posts yesterday. Now, you've heard me share David Korn's articles before. He is totally, he's totally off base with this. Nowhere. Nowhere in the indictment. And this is, this is the key thing you have to remember. Um, Trump's name isn't in Manafort indictment by Henry Rogers, over, a political reporter over at the Daily Caller. Nowhere, and I skimmed through the indictment, nowhere is Donald Trump's name mentioned. And if you actually follow the facts and the truth that are brought forward, maybe it's not truth, but you, the things that have been investigated, it all points back to Hillary Clinton and the DNC with some Republicans helping because they're greedy. Okay, because they're greedy. But Donald Trump's name doesn't even appear in the indictment. But that doesn't matter to a lot of these social justice tyrants out there that want to see Trump fall. 
And, and the original FISA investigation didn't even cover the Trump campaign. They only decided to extend it so they would have some cover to try to keep Hillary coming into the White House. Hillary and Bill must have a lot of dirt on a lot of people. They, they really must if they get this kind of support from all these people. However, I can't say that I see the House of Cards falling. But you got a guy like Tony Podesta that is wielding influence at, at the highest levels of the swamp. He resigns from the Podesta group. And again, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that he fled the country. I really wouldn't. Uh, but, and I agree with some of these other reports, that, that uh, Manafort is the low-hanging fruit. You know, the easiest one to get to. And honestly... I think this is going to unravel, and when it does, it's going to unravel quick. And there's going to be so much comes out, it may overwhelm everybody, but we need to keep our heads on straight. We need to keep our eye on the prize, and that is getting at the truth. And, and right now, whether Hillary Clinton's guilty or not, I know she's been tried in, the, in, the, uh, um, in public opinion, in the court of public opinion, and has been found wanting. She has... Um, so many times she's been exposed. And, and I want to leave the show with this. I, I'm watching the new show. Is it on NBC? I, I'm not. No, it's CBS. Excuse me. It's CBS. It's called Wisdom of the Crowd. And I, I just, it's a fantastic show. And I just want to bring this up real quick for, um, for those folks on. Uh, I, I wasn't originally going to do this, but it sort of popped in my mind. Um, it's a new series that came, just came out this year. Uh, it's called Wisdom of the Crowd, a tech, a tech inventor. Uh, let me just get over there so I can, I got my head fired the right way. Okay. A tech inventor creates a cutting-edge crowdsourcing hub to solve his own daughter's murder, as well as revolutionizing crime solving in San Francisco. Uh, it was created by Ted Humphreys. It stars Jeremy uh, Piven, Richard T. Jones, uh, Natalia Tina. Uh, and they've only had like five episodes so far. It's it's fantastic. The premise is the premise is good. It's well written. It's well acted, uh, and it's just it, it it's it's just amazing. But what this guy's done on this show here, the wisdom of the crowd, he's tapped into the crowd, and that's exactly, folks, that is exactly what social media is today. It's not organized like it is on this TV show. And I don't know if it ever could be, but. That's exactly what social media is today. It is tapping into the wisdom of the crowd. This is, when this show came out, I couldn't help but think in the back of my mind, this is one of the reasons why Google and YouTube and Twitter uh, and a lot of these other liberal, very left-leaning organizations, these social media platforms, Facebook, um, I can't help but think if this isn't one of the reasons why they're trying to deplatform, demonetize, hide videos uh, from certain sectors of the society, the more conservative, uh, possibly the most op more open-minded uh, of the social media community, why they're limiting and why they're trying to deplatform and hide and block and uh, take them off. And, and after I started watching the show, I, I said my mind just went to this, not saying it's conspiracy, and it doesn't have to be a conspiracy. But I wonder if they have the same idea that if we just allow these people to go, they're going to stumble on the truth sooner or later. And, and 
it's not even stumble on the truth. There has been some real truths come out about how Google operates with, with Mr. Moore and his and you know what he wrote about uh, about the human resources side of Google. Uh, how Twitter's been banning folks, YouTube's been banning folks, uh, Facebook has been banning or you know putting you in a timeout. I was putting a timeout for two weeks one time, uh, way back when, and uh, because somebody took offense to what I said. And they complained to Facebook, and without any, without any asking me any questions or being able to defend myself, I was put in the naughty room for two weeks uh, a couple years ago. And I just, it just boggled my imagination, boggled my mind they do that. But I'm, I'm wondering, I'm just wondering here, folks, and and answer. You know, you can, you can let me know in the comments down below the video if you think I'm on track of this or not. I'm just wondering if they're afraid of the wisdom of the crowd. If they're afraid that the crowd's actually going to bring forth the information. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we had, back during the Kennedy assassination, the social media and the smartphones and everything back then as we do today? I wonder if the truth would have came out a lot quicker. And trust me when I tell you, I think there is... A concerted effort by the lamestream media and by anti-freedom folks that happen to be, and there's some anti-freedom folks in the Republican Party. I mean, Paul Manafort, if everything's true about him, I would definitely class him as that. But definitely, you know, in the uh, progressive liberal side of the equation that are generally afraid of the wisdom of the crowd and generally afraid that the truth is going to get out there. And, and again... I'm not saying I'm totally right all the time. I really not. And, and this is where I get accused of all the time. On, on Well, you you know everything because you follow the news. No, I don't know everything. But you know what? I try to keep myself informed. And if I'm misinformed about something, correct me. Don't just say that I'm wrong without proving me wrong. That just goes, in my mind, that just goes to prove how right I am. Because you don't have anything to refute what I'm saying. And I don't have an end goal here other than other than protecting liberty and freedom for Americans, fighting for your right just to be an American and enjoy the freedoms and liberties that I have in my life and our predecessors have and wanting to preserve that for our posterity. That's my agenda. That's my goal. And there's, again, there's a lot of folks out there on the left side of things, the progressives out there, that don't believe what I'm saying because they cannot fathom somebody not having a political agenda like they have, like their one-mindedness. And they're, you know, well, the Republicans, they're just, this, this government we have today is just fascist. Now, we, we talked about this. We talked about this, and they're part of it. We have a participatory, participatory fascism going on in the United States today. And, and this is one of the reasons why I think the establishment doesn't like Donald Trump, because he's not participating. He may have benefited from it in the past, and I'm not saying that he didn't, and I'm not saying it's right. It definitely isn't right. The rent sinking from the government like Elon Musk does, you know, the, the hero of the left. But it's today... And, and, and this is, like I said, I don't pick these out. They just come into my email. It's never too late to start doing what's right. No matter what President Trump did in the past, 
if he's doing what's right now, isn't that a good thing? Isn't that a good thing that he's trying to correct injustices, trying to do the right thing, whether it's blocking transgenders from serving in the military uh, to trying to lessen the tax burden for everybody from corporations on down to the poorest of the poor? Trying to protect the country by keeping bad people out and only allow good people in through immigration? Isn't that the right thing to do? And yeah, if he, if he stumbles and falls and he does, I don't like his, his trade policies that much. I don't think he's really that good on the economy. I could be wrong. I could be proven wrong. I stand to be proven wrong. But it's never too late to start doing what's right. But the, the anti-freedom folks out there on the progressive left, they will not allow President Trump to do what's right. Because all they're going to do is go back in history and try to dig something up that really doesn't matter today. Matter of fact, a lot of the stuff that Mueller was actually looking at in his indictment, or you know, in the, in the FISA investigation his indictment, uh, I've read some legal experts that said that some of that stuff might be outside of the um, uh, the dates that you can use it. You know that it's oh man, I can't even remember what the name of it is now off the top of my head. I just I drew a blank here. Uh, but statute of limitations, it could be beyond the statute of limitations. And there's some folks out there on the left, on the, on the progressive side of things uh, that are just like, oh, no, what if it is and we can't use it? <gasps> but the thing is, they're going to try to get it out in the court of a pub public opinion anyway and try to persuade folks of that. But in legal terms, you can't take it into consideration. So. All right, I've droned on enough today, so uh, I'll leave the show to you guys, and and hopefully we'll we'll figure this all out when it, when it all comes time, when everything gets out in the open, and we can actually go through this and actually figure out exactly who did what, when did they do it, and hopefully the people that deserve to go to jail go to jail, and the ones that don't are exonerated. This has been the Dan Clement Show. I'm your host, Dan Clement, your constitutional warrior member. If you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. Have a great rest of the day, folks, and God bless. And we'll see you tomorrow at noon. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.